Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind Podcast, our show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology, where we talk about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more, from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, Paris Fashion Week just ended. We talk about some of the highlights and takeaways. Kanye West goes into technology with his new STEM player. Are virtual influencers the new new? We look at Gucci's collab with Superplastic. And we are joined by our special guest, Andrew Tuck, later in the show, editor-in-chief of Monocle Magazine, who comes on to talk about his new book, of the Nordics. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm joined with my dear colleagues Roland Philipp Kretschmar, Editor-at-Large, and Eric Sedin, Junior Editor. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Bonjour. I feel like we don't talk enough and hear enough about Kanye West, right? Anybody here have heard, <laughs> seen anything from him lately? <laughs> mm, not too much. <laughs> he hasn't broken internet yet. <laughs> well, I feel like he's, he's, he's broken internet at least like 12 times the past 12, two weeks. Yeah, we had a big discussion in our editorial meeting the past week about uh, we were going to cover Paris Fashion Week. We made a little list that's up on the website and we had a huge discussion on should we include Kanye West and uh, his uh, his romance with Julia Fox or not. It feels like if you're <laughs> if you're covering it from sort of an armchair perspective watching it on Instagram, that's all you see. They've been everywhere since they launched their little uh, I don't know. It feels like a very orchestrated uh, directed romance that 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 has sort of you know broken the internet. Uh it's it's I actually think that's kind of fun to watch though. But uh, I don't know about you guys, if, if you're into that type of gossip, but it feels like it's so intertwined with culture these days that you can't really ignore it. Anyways, we did do a story on Paris Fashion Week uh, on ScandinavianMind.com. Uh, our new uh, intern, actually a very talented writer called Martina Tedebring, who, who is with us uh, for a few weeks, uh, she did uh, cover some of the highlights. Erik, maybe you can walk us through uh, some of the things we, we covered. Uh, yeah, of course, we covered the uh, the Kenzo show, uh, like you mentioned, yeah. uh, which you know everyone did, and I think uh, Martina wrote like I kind of have to write about this. <laughs> I can't, I can't leave it out. But uh, what I thought was interesting that she pointed out was uh, parallel with uh, Paris Fashion Week. They had the the festival NFT Paris, mm. which was like a NFT festival. Uh, was that was that part of Paris Fashion Week, or is just sort of in conjunction with it? It's just happening. I don't think time. they had any 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 connections to the other. No at affiliation. All. Yeah. I, exactly. I just think they kind of took that weekend or that week to you know a lot of people are in town, hmm. and hmm. I saw a lot of people, uh, influencers or artists and people that I follow, uh, went to NFT Paris. And what uh, Martina brought up was how they had you know. We heard about all these after parties at Fashion Weeks and stuff. Who was it in Berlin who did the uh, the scandalous one? Was it the Bottega or whatever it was? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They had a party in, in the midst of the high in the height of the pandemic. Uh, yeah, the big exactly. after party. So yeah, but the the NFT Paris uh, after parties they were taking place in the metaverse in like speakeasies, in, like digital speakeasies. Of, of course, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you had to be. Of course, it was it was very exclusive. You had to get a, a special QR code or whatever to to get in, and that just kind of got me wondering. Like you don't have to worry about uh, getting too close during a pandemic too. But is that maybe like the future of after parties? 
for these weeks everyone just, i hope uh, not. i certainly hope <laughs> not that sounds super super boring maybe if you're if yeah. you're visiting from afar that could be an alternative but i don't know when i think about fashion weeks and you know i'm not going to copenhagen there is something a few things happening here in stockholm in a couple of weeks but i'm i'm really longing for for those sort of real after parties real interactions uh you know maybe i'm i'm old school here but uh, did you see how, how was it did you see any reports any any takeaways from from that digital after party oh uh, unfortunately not they were way too exclusive for someone like me <laughs> <laughs> but hey that's what yeah, we yeah, do this yeah. podcast to get to get our name out there exactly next, exactly next no, I think it's just worth mentioning. I think, I mean, obviously, any uh, fashion week or, or trade show is struggling right now with, you know, should they do it? Should they not do it? Pitiomo went ahead and did theirs. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in Stockholm, they, they postponed the, 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 the Stockholm furniture fair. So there are different approaches across across Europe. But I think what's, what's uh, you know, Paris is such a, a sort of a, uh, an important event for for the industry, so it's kind of nice to see that that things were actually happening. And uh, just to bring up some of the the uh, Scandinavian takeaways, uh, Danish outerwear brand Reigns did uh, quite surprising actually. There's this kind of utility brand. They did a really yeah. kind of lavish uh, uh, show uh, where uh, was it that the the Prince Nikolai of Denmark, it, you know, ended ended the show with this enormous pink was it a pink enormous uh raincoat kind of yeah uh, like a parka or whatever and yeah he, he was the last the 30th and closing look and he just yeah. stepped out looking all fabulous no no, no. Cool. obviously you know it feels very scandinavian that I, like a utility brand or specialized <laughs> in raincoats uh can make it uh, all the way to to paris fashion week uh i think they had some help with a very talented uh, agency in, in copenhagen called moon uh, uh, which are, are friends of ours doing really great work. Also worth mentioning, uh, uh, Acne Studios did uh, a collab with like a Laplandish uh, uh, boot brand or something. I didn't, I, I didn't know about this brand, Swedish brand Kero. Uh, did you see that, Eric? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I think not too many people know about them. I know uh, that their creative director, Acne Studios creative director, Johnny Johansson, he grew up in Lapland, northern Sweden. So I think, I think he kind of—I don't know if he did it for laughs or if he did it because he generally likes that small little family-owned brand up north in Sweden. But pretty cool to see. And of hey. course, like you said, outdoor and function wear is really on top right now. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of pointy. Uh, uh, maybe it stems from the Sami culture. I have to look this up yeah, more. Yeah. I think this looks really cool, and I hope uh, yeah. you know. I, I, I'm sure they underscore uh, Jonas' sort of upbringing in the north because they don't want to be accused of cultural appropriation or, or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it kind of it looks really cool with with the designs they are uh, uh, doing right now, and and then of course yeah the the Nigos uh, uh, you know premiere show for Kenzo. I think it was just a, a sight to see it's one of those things where, where fashion is just a, 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 a you know an experience right uh, you know a, a, a fireworks of, of expressions and colors and patterns yeah i saw it and i was wondering is it going to stay at cancer for one season and then move to louis vuitton let's see <laughs> yeah let's see that's a, a you know a prediction of sorts uh, but but speaking of of Kanye, uh, he also you know he's obviously everywhere right now. Um, there was just uh, as a side note uh, and and a, and a plug for for one of our friends, Christopher Morenzi, who uh, used to be the editorial director of Heisnabide. He just went freelance. He has a great Substack. 
a newsletter which you can uh, subscribe to. He had a great take on the whole Kanye craze right now and how, how that ties into how brands you know, are launching their products and collaborations right now. I can't really give it justice here in this podcast. It was a great analysis and it really made sense of this hysteria that's happening right now, you know, going all the way back to his uh, Kanye's collaboration with Gap, which is obviously his most commercial um, commercial collab uh, uh, of right now. Uh, but it's, But I guess one of the takeaways was that when you are doing a PR launch, make sure you have like six or seven big stories that you push out in the same time period. Because when people are hungry for something, when people are hungry for Kanye, they want a lot of stories. And then you can just go dark for a few months and, you know, go working on whatever you're working on and then pop up again with with six or seven sort of break the internet uh, appearances. But I guess, so uh, one of the, the perhaps least uh, um, talked about ones is that he launched a new kind of device, right? Uh, Roland, you have already ordered it. Why have you done that? What is this thing? Well, let's first start by disclaimer. We're late on this. You know, it actually started to ship in August last year. So, you know, uh, it's back to the future kind of perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, it has actually shipped in like almost 2 million how do you say copies or uh, device? The two million devices has been shipped, right? So yeah. it's it's been a success so far. Okay, backstory. Um, apparently, uh, Kanye was riding in his Lamborghini. He saw Alex Katz, who is kind of a this tech um, this tech guy on the streets ordering a falafel, and he basically said, "Hey, Alex, jump into my car. I have an idea." So mm. <laughs> that's how it all started. Um, but basically what they have the, uh, the, um, developed and through GZ Tech and Kano Computing, which is Alex Katz's company, mm-hmm. is this pocket-sized music player. Um, I mean, it works very intuitively in the sense that you only have these uh, touch-sensitive controls on this device that you know looks like a hybrid of a kind of soap bar and sex toy. <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it feels like a sex toy as well. Let's see when I get it. Um, So basically, it's called Stem Player because, you know, kind of tracks are divided into stems. Four stems are is is kind of the foundation. So you have vocals, drums, bass, and samples, right? Mm -hmm. So out of these four stems, you can then create music, basically, or or the perfect remix in this case, right? So it is actually pre... um, uh, it, it's shipped with Donda, his latest album. Then you can obviously also upload any other uh, track you want. And then you can basically create this remix. You, uh, you can do loops, raise and lower pitch. You can combine stems from different songs, etc. Mm. right? And, and then you basically, um, you have this uh, pocket-sized music remix device where actually where I think... And this is to be seen. What I think will happen is this might then become some sort of music publishing ecosystem as well. So what I'm seeing now is maybe that the tracks that you remix could potentially also be distributed, sold, and then you have the rights. It's going to be built on blockchain. You know, there, there's rumors about this. This does this is not included in the stem player at this date, but. Mm. I think that's what we're going to see here. 
Yeah, I think that's where it becomes super interesting and why we should keep an eye on it. I, 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 I noted that uh, um, the, the founder of Kano says that, that uh, the inspiration comes from uh, James Terrell, uh the, yeah. the artist which is really kind of the, the works that he does is about sort of interacting with the the viewer or the, the person who's who's uh, taking in the artwork and this sort of interactive part of it, it it just feels like it can open up so much many many so much more dimensions to to sort of uh, interacting with and consuming uh, music yeah and apparently also i mean yay he has this uh, sunday services right where where they kind of bring together friends and family to to celebrate life through music and you know part mm. of the sunday service is really about kind of in in, in a live setting create new music right uh, mm. and so yeah there's a lot of inspiration coming from there as well and i think uh, your your james Terrell reference there is especially the rolling creator um, which is um, a, an amazing piece of architecture. I, I wish I can visit one day. Anyways, right. So, right. so yeah. So, th so this was shipped first time in August. Uh, I think it's only now when we're starting to see uh, the real buzz on the internet. Um, people have started to test this, use it. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's maybe touch touch on this again uh, when I've tested it. Yeah. So how? So the question is then that I'm thinking about how what will this mean? Is this a competitor to our Swedish teenage engineering? Uh, devices that are used in in uh, in music. Well, both yes and no. I think uh, from what I've I've seen is that Kanye he was or yay he was in 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 dialogue with Teenage Engineering a couple of years back. So maybe that was kind of maybe he stole the idea from them. Who knows? Uh, but uh, or maybe they collaborated. It's a bit unclear to me, to be honest. Mm. Let's maybe call our friends at Teenage Engineering and ask them. <laughs> yeah, but, let's uh, do a follow up. Yeah, first we'll we'll hear the. Yeah, first we'll hear the the Kanye X uh, Roland Philippe Kretschmar uh, remix from from when you get your device. So yeah, we're exactly. Happy to publish first time in the podcast ever the new collab. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we have also written uh, the past week about Gucci's uh, NFT collab with Superplastic, which really opens up. Uh, the question of our virtual influencers here now. This is something that's been talked about the past few years. Uh, it was actually our contributor, Oliver Dahl, who wrote the story. But Eric, you know more about this. Yeah, he wrote it and I got super interested in uh, it's it, in the whole story, like the backstory of it. Uh, mm. So basically on Tuesday next week, uh, Gucci and Superplastic. Superplastic is like this cult status toy manufacturer, biggest in the world. They're going to drop 250 sculptures, like toy sculptures. And with mm -hmm. them, of course, in the times we're living in now, an NFT twin for the buyers. So this is like, this is nothing special or whatever. It's Gucci has been in this space for over a year now with Pokemon Go and stuff like that. They've been having this digital presence for a while. Mm -hmm. And firstly, just <laughs> speaking of these like uh, toys, like these like toy figurines or whatever, I think it's crazy how it's still going so strong. You know, we saw how Cos and Medicon were mega hyped in like the 2010s. I don't know if you guys owned or know someone who owns these, but I saw them everywhere. Yeah, no, I have no direct experience, but I've, yeah, I've seen them everywhere as well. And and there's there's something interesting with this sort of collectibles 
kind of ch- childish kind of yeah, collectibles yeah. Yeah, yeah. that have, have and I think it's no surprise that they are well equipped to make a dent in sort of the NFT space because the, the collectible aspect is, is is there but I mean the Gucci when they, when they entered I don't know I hate to say entered the metaverse but the, the stuff that they've done in digitally was has kind of been stumbling a bit I think they did like a sneaker that cost 12 euros or something yeah. uh, this feels like a, a more proper NFT drop am I right Exactly. And for me, at least, I think turning to super plastic and their, uh, their animated synthetic celebrities, like they call them, like these virtual influencers, is the way to go. Mm. Um, like uh, super plastic, they've done, we know about uh, gorillas, the band gorillas. They've been having like virtual influencers or virtual celebrities since the 90s. Yeah. You know, yeah. like these band members, they don't really exist. They're cartoons. And and to me, this is the way to go. Like this is the way mixing physical with digital or fidgetal, like some people call it. I think this is what makes it graspable. So if you're buying one of these uh, Gucci figurines, you, like you you buy it with real money, not money that we all know and we use. And you get a box home, you get to open the box, you get to hold this figurine, you can put it in your living room, you can have guests over and they can point, you can point it out and talk about it. And then also in this box, there might be like a QR code for like the NFT twin. But for like the old schooler, it doesn't really like that QR code. Kind of like, <laughs> oh, I just put it next to it. Like, and we can talk about it over dinner, how this crazy NFT thing is going crazy. I think this is the way to go. For like how, active, how active are these sort of uh, uh, virtual personalities in the launch of this thing? Are they, are they talking, like, doing <laughs> things? Yeah, that's the thing. They don't talk, but uh, there are two people that, uh, or two characters that uh, Super Plastic own. And it's Janky and Googiemon. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like goofy and up to no good characters without a specific gender or like a species. So you can't, and they don't really talk and they just do crazy stuff like they do backflips and do funny dances on TikTok and stuff. So when Gucci turns to Super Plastic to launch this new stuff, they turn to Janky and Googiemon because they are the ones to talk about it on TikTok, on Instagram. And and I just think these these two guys, Janky and Googiemon, they're really funny. You know, all the captions on TikTok and Instagram are kind of misspelled all over the place emojis all over the place you know they're wearing <laughs> hyped up brands like Comme de Garçon, Palace, Balenciaga and so on but they're kind of like misspelled so it doesn't say Balenciaga it would say like Balenciaga or Comme de Garcines <laughs> you know so they're kind of like bootleg versions but they're wearing them on TikTok and looking really cool. I think it's fascinating but we're talking you've been talking so much about the metaverse and new digital worlds where we as humans interact with our avatars but it's easy to see a, a place where in these virtual worlds, we'll also be interacting with virtual characters, right? And they yeah. will play a much more, uh, you know, prevalent role in, in in culture that way. Maybe like I don't know what would be the use case for a digital personality, uh, you know, other than being an influencer. Can they can they host stuff? Can they interview? Can he actually can he be an yes, editor yes. Of, of things? Well, what's the yeah. next step here? No, I'm you're like, going to be I'm, replaced, I'm, Conrad. <laughs> I, I feel it coming. I, I have no doubt. No, but like for me, I'm 100% certain that like Jank or Gugemon, they will, you know, crash the Golden Globes and just like jank the mic of Ricky Gervais and start <laughs> roasting him, you know. People will tune in because they are going there, you know. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Yeah, well, given how hard it has been for the Oscars to find a host that actually want to do the job, uh, <laughs> maybe this is the way to go for, for those types of old school uh, happenings. 
right, we are now joined by uh, our good friend Andrew Tuck from London, editor-in-chief of Monocle magazine, uh, who just uh, are in the midst of launching their new book, The Book of the Nordics. Uh, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see everybody. Yeah, so, uh, you know, anyone who's followed Monocle for the past uh, 15 years know that you are friends of the Nordics. You are writing a lot about the Scandinavian region. I know there are even family ties to this region. Um, so I guess my first question is, what took you so long? Why, after 15 years, did you do this book on the Nordics? Well, and you'll be able to answer this question better than me in a way. It's, it's interesting as an outsider to look at the Nordics. You see all the things that bring people together, that where, where the similarities are, where, where the crossovers are. But of course, when you come to the Nordics, people will also be very quick to point out, you know, why a Finn is not the same as a Dane and why somebody from Iceland doesn't exactly think they're the same as a Swede. So to do a book about the Nordics, there was two challenges. There was one to park that for a moment and say, okay, some people are going to disagree and some people are going to want to point out all of the differences. But there is something shared going on here. Let's let's focus on those two. And then the other complicated thing is, you, you know, again, which you'll know far better than me, is just this um, this divided vision as an outsider of, of the Nordics as well. It's a place of dark and light so it's about it's about short short daylight hours in the winter these epic days in the summer so it's about snow and it's about also stripping off and diving into the baltic so when we began to look at the the photographs and the the stories we want to report it was also weird trying to get this balance right between this place which is the high north it's tundra it's 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 lapland and also this rather central side to the Nordics as well, which is is stripping off. It's it's saunas, it's water, it's 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 making the most of every bit of sun that hits. Well, let's talk, we're going to talk about some of the highlights from the book, but I'm, I want to stick on on the sort of shared uh, characteristics and shared values. Obviously, it's something that we you know we are Scandinavian mind. We cover the Nordics because we feel like there's uh, some shared characteristics. But but from your a perspective, uh, kind of like an outside perspective. What are some of the unique characteristics of the Nordic that separates us from the rest of the world? Well, I, I, I guess it's not particularly that they're unique. It's just that they're much, a uh, much higher level in the Nordic. So, again, another reason that we thought this book was timely was because many of the things that the Nordic region does well have never been needed like this before. So, when you think about building materials, you know that. The use of timber, the, the the scale of the cities that you've built. If you go to somewhere like Copenhagen or to Stockholm, it's still even now it's of, of a density that makes sense so that most communities are walkable and you can get around on foot. But it's not of a, a density that you're living in a downtown, downtown Manhattan, for example, where you, you feel a bit alienated or a Singapore. So you've, you've managed to build cities well. You've had this... Um, collective social uh, de democratic idea running through much of societies in in the north which has allowed you to do things quicker to be honest when, when we look at what's happening in the rest of europe you're further ahead on the debate about sustainability you're further ahead in the debate about how the built environment affects our mental health you're you're further forward about thinking about how we look after everybody in society putting in a net so that people don't fall when things go wrong. And I think everybody 
while some, some on the, the right of politics maybe in America may see you as a, a land of communists, I think the rest of the world thinks actually you're getting quite a few things right and you offer some benchmarks that we should learn from. Mm. I, I have one more question. I'm going to let in Roland uh, then. But when you do these types of books, it's it's. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure you are recommending a lot of places and personalities and brands and that type of stuff. But how much of it is uh, a guidebook and how much of it is like this? What you're talking about now is sort of kind of unveiling the the characteristics and and soul of of the place. Well, we, in the past we've done pure guidebooks. Uh, I, I hope that actually when people put this book down and when, when they turn over the, the final page, they do want to come to the Nordic region and they do want to explore. But maybe not just for a holiday. Maybe they think that actually this looks interesting. There's a, a craft tradition here or there's a way of manufacturing here or there's something in society happening here that I should go and learn about, that I should have a deeper dive into. So they're more kind of handbooks really to a region than, than, than just tourist guides. But yeah, I, I hope people come because I think there's you know amazing things to see. And I must just point out that you know the book has been luckily put together because we've always had a great team of people working in the magazine in London and as correspondents around the region. So we have somebody writing for the book who's Norwegian and who's Swedish. So it, it's not just an outsider's perspective. There's people who work for Monocle who hopefully know their countries pretty well and have have managed to take us beyond the cliches, I hope, and to show a bit more depth about the region. Mm. Roland? Yeah, so I, I actually <laughs> a question from a different angle. So what can we do better in the Nordics? Well, I don't know that you, you, you should particularly worry about doing things better. But, you know, you don't, undoubtedly, as you'll know, living in Stockholm, you have some of the same social pressures that we have elsewhere in, in, in Europe. You know, so... And we don't gloss over this in the book. We mention this when we're writing about Stockholm. You know, that the city that many people get to see when they come as a visitor is pristine and uh, easygoing and relaxed about what it is. But you know, you read a Swedish newspaper or you see the debates going on in politics that you see, whether it's in Finland or in Sweden, there is this debate about how to bring people into society when they arrive as migrants. How do you make sure that people don't get separated out? The Nordic countries have been very good at encouraging people when they arrive in a nation to not just settle in the capital city, to go out to other places. But even so, Stockholm, you have many suburbs, which many old older time residents maybe of Stockholm don't feel a part of the city anymore. So how do you how do you get around that? In Denmark, they have some tough policies about it. You know that that not everybody agrees with, but you have some of the same social stresses as us. And I think that it's acknowledging those things and 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 facing up to them is the only way forward. And again, what's fascinating is that putting this book together is whether it's the, the the Sweden section or the Denmark section. When we come to put the spotlight on some local heroes, people benchmarking well. Not everybody uh, is a white Swede. That we've, you know, it's you realise that it's all of these countries are becoming increasingly diverse and, and in exciting ways. So let's talk about some of the uh, highlights, some of the favourite spots and, and places. Just, I, I guess, from from a favourite, from from a personal perspective, uh, uh, you know, when going into this, were there some places that you knew, like we have to cover this this place uh, or this hotel or this region or or like, what's your personal uh, top three, you'd say? Well, 
So uh, not particularly naming a brand or a hotel or anything, but you know, you, you pointed out there are connections between Monocle uh, and uh, and Sweden and Norway and Denmark. But for for me, when I was offered the job to first join um, Monocle, it was because I came to Sweden and Tyler had a, a house in the Baltic, uh, in the archipelago. And that's when he first showed me the, the plans for this magazine that at that time was called Project Europa. And sitting on this kind of sunny deck with uh, a guy called Richard, who's even now our art director on the magazine, his wife, who became the photo director, and a group of people who are Swedish and had been working in publishing in Sweden and having that conversation, I wanted to capture that sense that, you know, there is, there is this life just beyond all of the cities, which is full of nature and beauty. So we, we actually have snuck in a picture, which is uh, of, of that island is, is in, in the book. So I wanted to show nature. And then, you know, we're lucky. We, 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 we get to stay in the likes of Ethem in uh, in Stockholm and and how amazing again you know it's not a modest hotel but what it does do is it it puts front and center the notion of uh, design craft things made well and of being at home and of, of food and cuisine so of course uh, uh, the hotel at Hem in, in in Stockholm is in there as well and there's pieces of architecture you know there's I was just in Copenhagen a few weeks ago, and I, I had oddly never been out to the, the, the massive cathedral, to uh, Grundfix, the, the cathedral on the edge of Copenhagen. And um, trying to be a bit Danish, I got on my bicycle. You're there in 25 minutes as you leave the, the city centre. It was a, a Wednesday morning, and I, I pushed open the door, and there was one other person in, in that incredible, incredible church. I'm not incredibly religious, um, but I, I kind of stood there, and it's it's overwhelming. It's it's one of the the most beautiful, awe-inspiring pieces of architecture I've ever seen. And I think that's the other thing that we want to show in this book is you know, that we know many of the mid you know, mid mid-century greats and the, the architects and designers who came out of of, of Stockholm and of, of Denmark particularly. But when you go, you just realize the wealth of design and things that that still inspires today. Wonderful. Eric, do you have a question? Yeah, I was going to ask you, actually. Did you know we're writing a lot of guides, too, on our platform? <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure that you have a, a very different and uh, wise take uh, on the region <laughs> as well. Um, but we're these places that you know have matters you know, a lot to us over the years. And so we did it. It's the third in a, in a series, which will continue. We did the Book of Japan first, where we've had an office since day one. Then we did Italy, uh, important to us. Uh, our culture editor did the book, uh, Chiara Rimella, who's originally from Turin. So they're places that somehow shape the magazine and what we believe in and, and how we do things. You know, originally, all the paper came from Finland for the first magazines, and we, 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 we still work with Finnish mills. The, the investment from, from Monocle in the early days, much of it came from, uh, from investors in Sweden, so it's a, and it, the very first launch party. It didn't happen in you know, in London. It happened in Stockholm, and it's always been part of everything we do. So cheekily, we may be on your territory a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think we, we've earned a few land rights over the days. <laughs> and I think in, in many ways, I think you're 
you, perhaps you might be covering other parts of Scandinavia that we don't, and that's fine, of course. But uh, for example, we've been to some crazy places like over the years now because I think we kind of realized how we, if we just went to our network and the networks are in Oslo, they're in Stockholm, they're in Copenhagen. We realized every week we write a guide. We let some, some of these people write a guide on our website. And we realized most of the people, they, they give tips of the same places, you know, kind of, if you're from Copenhagen, you know about like the best restaurants, you kind of give the same places. So we've been trying on our platform to kind of venture out and go to, go to the small places. Like, um, for example, we've been to uh, Songnefjorden, like Norway's biggest uh, fjord. We talked to, uh, to a woman, I don't know how you won our editor, I don't know how, she, how we found her, but she has like this really small hiker's hut on top of this fjord in the middle of nowhere. You can't, it's basically impossible to get there. And we asked her to write a guide about like the fjord, like, oh, what are some like local places you'd like to go? And when we ask her where she likes to eat, she's like, oh, I pop by to like this local cheese manufacturer and I buy, you know, they don't even have an Instagram account. And, I think uh, what's in- just jumping in there, I, I guess what's interesting for us as, as a magazine as well is you know, that it's not just, maybe it's not just hotels and restaurants and nice huts and things that we want to put the emphasis on as well, is that we just did a story up in uh, Lillehammer. And what was fascinating there is you know, we're also looking for, the, trying to show that the, the intellectual might of, of, of all of the region doesn't just sit in the capital cities as well. So Lillehammer has this, you know, which you'll know about, it has this uh, amazing thing coming up where they're, they're trying to position themselves as a, a city where they can hold something a bit like a Davos of free speech. It's, you know, can, can, can a region which is known for providing some of the, the best negotiators, some of the best people bringing together you know, warring factions around the world for having the Nobel Peace Prize and all these things. Can a region that is that has this as, as, as part of its intellectual heft engage in the cultural debates that we're having now and be an arena where you can be a little bit more off-grid and you can come and talk about those topics in, in somewhere like Lillehammer? So I agree with you. I think it's important you know, that you do get out of the cities and there's certainly, you know, a huge number of projects and places that are not in camp in the cities in the book. But I think it's also important to show that that's an intellectual and a cultural thing, as well as just, you know, as you say, as you know, we can recommend a hundred hotels. We could do a whole book just about hotels, but in a way we're trying to get people to think about these notions of social democracy and about the intellectual might and the way of thinking that happens in the region. And again, as you say, that's not just in the cities. Yeah, I can ask you. I mean, it's hard to predict the future, obviously, but um, <clears throat> let's let's see how you think about this. I mean, the Nordics in twenty fifty and beyond. How do you think it will have changed? Well, we're speaking in a in a, in a very complicated week. We, we, th- this week, we've uh, got two of our team from London who are uh, in Kiev uh, this morning. Uh, they're they're trying to cover what's happening al- along the border with Russia. And I think that it's interesting to see geopolitically what will happen to your region because it's not going to be as sleepy as it was. And it's, it's, it's going to go back to a tenser time. You have, you know, when we did this book, we wondered whether, you know, it should be really, really new Nordics and to wrap in the, the Baltic nations as well. It, it made it too complicated on this first outing. But you're... you're when you th- see how closely tied, for example, Estonia and Finland are, and uh, if this what's rattling on in Ukraine starts uh, pressing up against the borders of Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, 
I think you know, the bear on your border is going to be something which begins to shape big questions about you know, what defense spending is, uh, how you work geopolitically, whether your old neutrality can work. Once you start spending more money on defense and security, is there the money for all the other things that uh, at the moment you have for social programs? So I think it, it, it could be more challenging, I think, for the Nordic nations um, geopolitically going forward. But I think you have some advantages definitely on, on this world of being more sustainable, uh, thinking greener, thinking better, f faster than everybody else. But again, as we're learning to our cost is, you know, it doesn't matter whether a Denmark is, you know, the first country to kind of, you know, get on top of its, its CO2 emissions, you need everybody else on the, uh, along on the journey as well. So I think, again, maybe one of the tests for the, for the Nordic nations, which uh, around the world do have diplomatic sway, but is to use that more importantly going forwards, because I think it, it doesn't matter if you, you create you know, Nirvana up in the Nordics unless other people can come to the party as well. All right, Makes we sense. have to wrap up, Andrew. Just a, a quick question. Uh, where can people uh, get this book and uh, when are you coming to the Nordics next time? Are you, are you on your way here? Yes, we're going to be there in the next couple of weeks, uh, darting around trying to uh, show off the book and, and make some noise about it. Uh, you can get it easily. You can go onto monocle.com where uh, we have a, an online shop. But you should be able to find it in any good bookstore and even a few of those big bear moths online may be able to uh, sell you a book or two as well. So. Wonderful. Andrew Tuck, Editor-in-Chief of Monocle Magazine, looking forward to welcome you to Stockholm in the next few weeks. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See you. All right, that was the show. Thank you, Andrew, for, for coming on. Uh, guys, uh, what are you looking forward to in the week to come? Well, I'm going to do some promotion on my wife, actually. She's launching her first NFT. Woohoo! Wonderful. So, lo yeah, long story short, she did a creative collaboration with a creative duo called Lost. Mm -hmm. They uh, photographed Tina Schader, a Swedish fashion designer. One of the art pieces that um, came out of that uh, work is now um, launched as an NFT. It's been minted. It's going to be um, released for sale Jan 31st at... 0001 CET. And actually, the buyer of the NFT will get a 15% discount on all Krista Kratzman jewelry for the next 20 years. Wonderful. Right. Oh, you're completely welcome to plug that. That's super exciting. And uh, thanks for. Uh, are we exclusive on this? Are we first? Is Scandinavian kind of mind breaking this news? <laughs> breaking internet. <laughs> Wonderful. Eric, uh, what's happening next week? What are you excited about? I'm really starting to get going with our issue three work and I'm starting to get a hold of a lot of cool virtual fashion designers. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm really starting to get a hold of them and I'm really, really, really excited to really deep dive with that, calling them and sitting for hours and just talking about how you design a t-shirt for for gaming and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm excited about that issue. And uh, of course, we have Copenhagen Fashion Week coming up. They just lifted restrictions in, in uh, uh, Denmark. Uh, I have been 
playing around with the idea of going myself, but uh, fortunately, due to work-related <laughs> commitments, we can't we can't go. But we'll definitely cover it, uh, and uh, I'm sure there are things to talk about uh, next week on the podcast. So this has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to uh, not miss out on any uh, news or drops. Uh, visit ScandinavianMind.com/newsletter. Until next week, bye guys. See you.